Yo, what up? This is Nappy Nina, and you're listening to the Cabbages Hip Hop Podcast. Welcome to a very special episode of the Cabbages Hip Hop Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Suarez. I'm a freelance music journalist and critic, and I write a twice-weekly hip-hop newsletter called Cabbages, which you can subscribe to for free at cabbageshiphop.com. Joining me as always is my co-host, music industry insider Jeffrey Lachlan. And now we've wrapped up our weekly hip-hop discussion of the Leprechaun Cinematic Universe and are here today to bring you an exciting 420-friendly bonus episode with two great guests. And today we'll be talking about How High 2, the 2019 made-for-MTV movie that sought to bring back the smoked-out spirit of 2001's Method Man meets Red Man stoner comedy. More on that in a minute. trash outside of the walls of this apartment you know what i mean like things are sure. bad. everyone's unhappy pandemic etc etc politics right so i went into this film you know in kind of a sour mood and i didn't you know we can get into my weird relationship with the original how high and we will i'm sure yeah. at some point but i came into this with wildly low expectations and was kind of expecting it to be terrible the only real bright spot being my love of Lil Yachty. And what happened was not only did I love How High 2 unconditionally, and we'll probably watch it every 420, but I also learned to love the original How High. Yeah, that was the thing for me. I, I watched the original How High more or less when it came out, uh-huh. but watching How High 2 made me revisit the original. It made me want to go back and see like, Maybe I I didn't appreciate that film fully, or I want to get an understanding of kind of where the two films connected. Um, right. But I, I enjoyed How High Two. I enjoyed watching right. it, and you know it felt like a good time to watch it. Obviously, with you know, with the upcoming you know four twenty. Right. But also it was and weed being legalized in New York or whatever. weed being legalized in New York was kind sure. of the big thing. And suddenly now we have recreational weed here, and it felt like this was going to be an important year for it. So it was good to go and kind of watch a, a new stoner comedy as opposed to going back and watching Friday again. Right. Or going back and watching Half Super Troopers again. 6,000 times. You know, like those are all like amazing films. Oh, you probably like, named off my films. three favorite of that style of comedy, stoner comedy, quote, stoner comedy. Now you said something before about having some sort of strange relationship with the I first did. Film. So how high, how high was very like popular i guess isn't the word it was just around a lot when i started college my sister ran a video store vizard in in chapel hill north carolina and i got a how high poster i had it up on my wall in my dorm room in college okay cool cool Uh, but i had never seen the film nor had i ever smoked weed in my whole life what 
Yeah. So I like I got I took one of the posters from my sister's stash of like they're gonna have to throw away promotional posters. So I always got I got tons of them. There's like one Rushmore in like Japanese. It was I had a ton of like really cool old posters. And I put them up on my wall and I had one of how high. Uh, and I had never seen it, nor had I ever smoked weed. So you, you didn't see the movie and no. you didn't smoke weed and you had how high but no, I'm sorry. This, fact, is, this is this on. is kind in of fact, this is fucking weird. This is weird, of, Jeff. I tried five years ago to watch the movie and I failed. I couldn't get through it. Then I tried again, like I tried again this last 420. I fell asleep and I missed the ending. And so this time watched How High 2. <sighs> then you and I were like, dude, let's run it back. Let's watch How High. This was so delightful. And we watched How High separately, of course. And I loved it. And this was like the first time I'd ever seen How High all the way through. <laughs> you had it on I your know. wall. It's so stupid. Like, this is a long time ago you had it on your wall. And you finally now. When it came out. <laughs> like, this is. It was old, a promo just, poster. So I had like a, out, a poster of it before the movie even came out. I never saw it. Jeff, it came out 20 years ago and you no. finally watched it like last week. That's right. You exhaust me. I don't want to be myself. You I just exhaust am. What am I supposed to do? I exhaust myself, Gary. I exhaust myself. I'm so excited to introduce our guest for today's show. Joining us now is Becca Grimm. She's the co-founder of Dope Girls, a multifaceted media company that both celebrates and explores cannabis culture through a feminist progressive lens. Her writing bylines and content credentials also include work for Vice, Bustle, and Rolling Stone. Also joining us today is Nappy Nina, an Oakland native currently operating out of Brooklyn. She's the co-founder of Lucid House and one of the most compelling independent rappers in New York City today. Her latest album is a collaboration with producer Jay Words called Double Down, available on Bandcamp and wherever music is streamed or sold. Please welcome Nina and Becca to the show. Hello and welcome to you both. Hey. <laughs> what up, what up? Thanks for having me. Before we get started, I'd love to kind of get your, um, uh, your history with the original How High movie, or uh, stoner comedies in general? I watched How High, the original one, kind of late, I feel like. What year did it come out? Uh, 2001. Yeah, I was, um, I feel like I wasn't really watching mad stoner movies at that time. And actually my history with stoner movies is I watch them if they're on, but I don't really go out to search them, I feel like. But I enjoy them. I think they're super fun. I mean, I definitely know that there is a place in time for Sterner movies. And, you know, in 2001, I was already 13. I was like, not, you know, super tiny at that point. Um, I think that there's definitely like a place in time with Sterner movies. And that can be sort of a fun thing with sort of suspending disbelief and just uh, kind of vibing out with a certain group of people. And I think that they're, yeah, certain place in time. And with Method Man, Red Man, all those folks in the first 2001 iteration, that's definitely there. You know, I grew up watching a lot of 
stoner comedies. I was exposed to Cheech and Chong way too early in life, uh, both between the movies and through my parents' record collection. Uh, so Where would you say that landed for you, Gary? When I first started hearing Cheech and Chong records, I was probably like eight or nine, you know, digging through my parents' record collection and watching movies like Nice Dreams, basically renting them from the video store. I had a real interest in comedy. So I watched a lot of, you know, very like Monty Python and SNL stuff. I was really into that. And so Cheech and Chong just kind of hit me because I was listening to a lot of 60s records and 70s records. When I was growing up, this stuff was just called kind of a mesh for me. And I really appreciated the jokes, even if I didn't necessarily get every aspect of the humor, I understood certain things. But like, I mean, I didn't smoke probably for the first time until I was about 14. So it was still quite a few years before I really understood any of it. Um, but yeah, stoner comedy is kind of, and stoner comedy has been a part of my life for uh, a long time. So I have a certain fondness for it. I had a weird history where I had a How High poster on my wall in college. My sister ran a video store and I took it, but I had never seen the movie nor smoked weed in my life. And this was in my college dorm room. So you were a Wu-Tang fan. I just really liked Method Man and Red Man. I just thought they were both great. And it was funny. They're like, look, without being a Wu-Tang fan. Yeah, I was definitely a Wu-Tang fan. And like, I, I had a giant Supreme clientele poster on my wall too. And it all fit in except for the fact that I'd like was completely wrong for that poster. I didn't even smoke weed for another like five or six years. And I hated that movie until about two weeks ago. <laughs> so you were basically a, a poser. I just want to make sure that we absolutely 100%. I was posing. <laughs> I was posing harder than maybe anyone had posed before. I mean, that's a double pose situation. Yeah, I mean, if you're putting something on the wall of your room, that's supposed to define you in totally. some way. Like totally. in college, that's your defining. But isn't it I, telling that it ended up defining me as a as an older person? That like I saw into the future of myself and was like, "You're going to be a stoner who thinks this movie is amazing, and you're never going to let go of Method Man, Red Man." <laughs> I mean, that is, it did define you. It's like, it's weird origin story. It it's is. an origin story. <laughs> With watching How High 2, I came to it from the, from the, from the angle of Lo Yachty. When Lobo came out, I thought that was just an amazing record. And I, I wanted to hear as much as I could from him. I didn't have like a, oh no, they make a sequel. They're going to ruin my childhood or something, you know. But the connection between these two movies is, is, fairly tenuous like obviously there's no meth and red there are some some cameos and recurring roles uh that we'll talk about in a little bit and some really uh interesting callbacks but it didn't seem like it needed to be presented as a sequel it is such a different movie mm -hmm. other than the fact that there is you know it's about two friends and weed it was just it was different to me it reflected a lot of other stoner movies I'd seen, but it was different for me than what How High was trying to do. I would agree. I would agree that's exactly what happened. Like, it was just, like, literally trying to replicate the idea of sort of um, having some sort of shiny-coated sort of, like, stoner stamp of approval moving forward like that. When did you find out, when did you kind of get on your radar that they made a How High 2? Or that they were making a how high too. Uh, I actually saw it in Seattle, hella high, like 
in Seattle, of course, one of the highest places I've been in just Netflix, like some random person had it on. Okay. I found out there was a How High 2 uh, when you said, hey, do you want to do an episode about How High 2? <laughs> and I was like, you mean How High, the movie How High? And you were like, no, the second one. Yeah, I think that it was just like really fun. Like, I mean, you know, my partner and I have been just smoking a lot of weed at home and just not doing much. And like, we we're like leaping through so many things. And whenever Gary was like, yo, do you want to jump on the podcast? And we're talking about how high to you. And I was like, great. I have familiarity with that. <laughs> um, so I, I was just about that. I mean, like I live in Atlanta, like I love hip hop and like, I'm feel like moderately ingrained in the culture. And like, so I was jazzed to talk about that. Uh, it's kind of where I'm at. I love this movie. I thought it was outstanding. I agree. Yeah, I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was outstanding, but I also didn't hate it. It was, it was fine. <laughs> for, it was like, I think for what I was expecting, <laughs> for what I was like, oh, how high two? They smoked a, a, a dead president in the first one. So this is just going to be like over the top gross out, I, fi I figured. And it ended up just being like a movie and it was good. But it, this, this has a weird distinction of how high and how high two both had the exact same score on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. They both got a 26. Wow. But I think for a lot of people, like how high was a movie and we regarded it, but it wasn't necessarily, no one was expecting, no one was treating it as a classic, I guess you could say. It wasn't necessarily being called a classic. I don't think, I think that that's probably not the argument to be made. So doing a sequel to it all these years later, the question for me ultimately was why do a sequel? Even among stoner movies, it wasn't a classic. I mean, it would never even reach the, the half-baked plateau. No, it's not half-baked. It's not super troopers. It's not no. these films that have become kind of really burned into the, they're definitely advocates. I mean, the thing is, is like Meth and Red as a duo, I think did a very good job having rewatched How High after watching How High 2. But I think Lil Yachty and DC Young Fly were, and I'm just gonna say it, were, had better chemistry. They were a funnier comic mm. duo. I 100% agree. And I, this is, I never thought that I would say something like that. <laughs> I'm betraying my former self, but it's true. They were funner. I also just like Nene Leakes being in it. Like, I love her. That was an amazing twist. That was a, yeah. that was such a shocking reveal. Yeah. She, she showed up as the mom. I was like, that's great. That was so good. She nailed it too. People who know Nene Leakes knew that that was her voice, you know, like, it was like 100 percent are you kidding yeah she knew. Exactly. Like, I she knew. yeah exactly <laughs> i mean there's a lot of really great cameos a lot of great you know supporting roles in this film um i mean obviously if we go back to those who were in the first movie you've got mike epps reprises his role as baby powder and okay i don't recall mike epps's character in the first movie perishing in this film he exists on some kind of astral weed plane the explanation that he himself gives in the in the movie is that he is fully a figment of the imagination of yadi of roger my apology it makes sense to me because it feels like something roger would do is like know how high forwards and backwards and like right imagine this baby powder as someone who you know is a part of this uh weird weed world 
that they've created? This creates a kind of meta question, and I'd love to get you guys' thoughts on this. Because there is such a tenuous connection between the two movies in terms of the narrative and the overlap, it's like, is How High 2, is the movie about two guys who have seen the original How High and her hallucinating elements of it into their lives? <laughs> is this meant to be a sequel that exists in the universe of the How High movies, the mm -hmm. How High cinematic universe, uh, so far two films, or is it like a meta version of that? They live in a world where How High was a movie that came out. And so the character of Baby Powder would be the kind of character they would hallucinate if they got really fucking high on super weed that smelled <laughs> like angel farts. Man, I feel like it's almost both. Hmm. Sorry, no, it's annoying. No, I like this. I think that they've ingrained that movie. Makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they love it so much. Yeah that it's just part of, yeah, it's part of their imaginary imagination. That's where I'm at on it. I, I appreciate, one of the things I really appreciate about this Makes movie sense to me. is that normal, like stoner movies that are written by people who are not stoners uh, will portray- Are very obvious. Yeah, and they will portray weed as like, you have some like really weird experience and everything's very scary and you're, trapped inside four walls or something. And this, when when they get super high, it's super, it's fun. They're laughing at themselves and they're seeing like weird versions of themselves and it's really funny. And that makes a lot more sense to me than the normal Hollywood version of smoking weed. But also there's there's a lot of layers to it. You know, obviously them them going into that state, like they're high even during the scenes where they're supposed to not be high. So it's sort of like when they're in the strip club, when they're in Magic Kitty, uh, I Got Money shows up briefly and makes it rain on him, which is a callback to I Need Money from the first film. Mm -hmm. It's like, wait, is he actually there? Or is that is that me is that again the meta thing happening again? I think that's meta too. I think there's a whole lot that happened that was meta because the explanation from Baby Powder was that like, dude, you've just been high this whole time. Right. None of this actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> also we kind of got to think about like the creators of this like just that statement you said like you were high the whole time like maybe this there is some huge crazy meta explanation for it but also maybe they were just getting super high and we're just like yo throw throw that back in there you know what i'm saying like even mm. though it makes no sense at all like let's just do it i can definitely hear people getting high in a room being like think we can get i got money back i bet that dude would answer a call for this movie <laughs> the thing about watching this movie while high is coming to the same realization because you've like coming to the same realization about the reality when Roger does because anybody interacting with each other right right when Mike Gaps's baby powder reveals like you've been high the whole time you've never had superpowers and they kind of flash back to <laughs> all these times they thought they could fly or they had telekinesis or that they could suddenly magically speak Russian it's just like they did none of those things they were just super fucking high that dude said they babble like babies Luliani <laughs> <laughs> was like speaking fluent Russian and they smash cut to him and he's like babble <laughs> That's exactly what I would do if somebody was speaking Russian to me. <laughs> this is all in your imagination. You guys, none of this has happened. You're just high. And then you have that that moment at home where you're like, wait, am I 
what am I watching? What this, am I watching again? This begs talking? the question, did Black Youngster actually play at the end? Or were all these people having a shared hallucination of a rapper from Atlanta? I didn't think about that. Well, remember at the beginning, like Black Youngster comes out and just like a magical announcer just announces Black Youngster. Right, it's just like there's a random <laughs> voice that says, and now to celebrate the return of real weed, Black Youngster. And there's no, who is saying this? There's no nobody way. we've seen. Who could be saying this? <laughs> it's such a good movie. <laughs> that presentation at the end, that penultimate scene. I loved it. Th- there's so much that happens in that. I love it too, because I, I don't understand so much of what of what's going on. Like, here's my first question about that. Who are these people in the audience? Right. Like they're not reporters. Are they investors? Are they members of the community? Are they influenced? Like who are these people made up? There's no explanation of who they're presenting this to. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Nobody ever says anything about who they are. It's still not as weird as when Calvin's nipples are leaking weed smoke. <laughs> that was, that was I something. just really want a weed Bible, but not to tell me how to grow it. Just more how to smoke it better. Hmm. I think that's something we could all aspire to. I feel like there's probably a lot of wisdom in there uh, beyond the, just the kind of technical pages <laughs> that we could all live by. Like you don't just call it a Bible if it's purely a technical manual. There has to be like messages and, and, and things to learn in, in our experiences from that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know. The anarchist cookbook wasn't exactly about cooking. Nah, that's a good point. <laughs> but okay, but so let's so so Nina, let me pose this to you because this is this is an interesting thing. So like the finding of the weed bible in the wall, that yeah. that whole random thing. Like, would you just smoke some random blunt you found in a hole in the wall somewhere? Oh, definitely, hundred percent for sure. Well, pre-COVID, yes. Okay, with that caveat, pre-COVID. <laughs> I mean, I full disclosure, I've smoked weed that I have found in a bag like on my block or something some years ago when I first moved to Bushwick. Okay. Um, you know, so I think it depends on the time. If I'm like, if I have like a plethora of weed, then probably not. But if I don't, it could get critical and yes. With that one that you found, was it any good? Uh, it was decent. For but, free. You know, it was free <laughs> weed, like I was. <laughs> Gary, do you even have to ask me that question? You would eat garbage off the ground, Jeff. I'm not even concerned about That's that. That's not entirely true. It would depend on the garbage. I'm not just going to eat like fast food off the ground. No. Maybe a couple, a few years ago when I was like really hungry. Yeah, of course. You've had some harder times. So, I mean, we'll, <laughs> we'll give you that. But no, like, I mean, the discovery of the weed Bible, I think is the first time you really start to just like suspend disbelief. It just like random situations. Yeah, does there. the weed Bible exist? They don't even go after it in the end. <sighs> So like, did it actually exist or did they like learn how to grow weed through osmosis of this weed being magical? (laughs) That's true. They had to read some of the pages in order to even get to the osmosis stage. Right. I just don't know what's real. I've lost the thread of what's real in this film. I think that's my favorite part of it though. It's like, what is the magical world? Was there a weird operative that just follows them around and randomly punches and kicks people and falls in love with Roger? Maybe. 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 I I really don't know. Or is she also a shared apparition? Because like how many people are turning on the corporate world and like 
ending their jobs. I feel like now we've just gone down this like this Twin Peaks sort of level to approach to it. This is really, I did not expect us to go this direction, Ada. I'm too totally honest. Like, I thought we might touch upon some weird theories, but like now it's just like, this is like David Lynch's How High Too. But it is Lynchian. It is like, what is and isn't? Because now I'm thinking about, okay, so I he wasn't high when he was out in front of the bank and he runs into Alicia after all these years. Okay, so she's real. No, she's real there. I can accept that. Yeah. But is she real at any other point in the film? I don't know. Like post them smoking the magic weed? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Because the next time they see her is suddenly the school bus when they're on the back of the school bus and they arrive at, at Verdant uh, Biokinetics. Yeah. Uh, and she's there. Is, is that a shared hallucination at that point? Is that real? I, I don't that's know. That's a great question. It is a really good question. I think the the people the creators were also confused. Like yesterday, when I rewatched this, I looked up the Wikipedia and everything, and saw that it had been rewritten a couple times. Mm-hmm. Like production had been stopped and delayed like a million times. So I just I don't know. I feel like things could have gotten lost, or like there's some of there's some reason for everything being fucked up. But I don't know if it's just straightforward or not fucked up but like it's there being so many unexplainable moments like so this I, was I like, this was shot and reshot and stuff like they had to like read they stopped and went back and stuff is that what you're saying i don't know if it was shot and reshot i know that there was like red man was really trying to get it made and then in between the time of really wanting to get it made and getting it made it was rewritten he so, i remember reading this on wikipedia he did not like the script and said rewrite the yeah. script and then he really didn't like the rewrite yeah um which to me in a very real sense i feel like this was better with the two that we got rather than method man Redman delivering this and i wish that method man Redman had been like maybe the older drug dealers in a way <laughs> there was room to fit them into the storyline somewhere but i'm glad they weren't the main characters yeah they could have been baby powder like the those two characters very easily coming from this weird ghost realm to be honest i wouldn't be surprised if the original intent it was the two of them i wouldn't doubt that either and they just did they like went to that magical world that it was meth and red there it's a shame they weren't a part of it because it it pays particular homage to the first how high several times there's no vision I guess is the real thing. There's no like single vision that happens when is you this have a, all these Is rewrites. this a good, terrible movie or a terrible, good movie? <laughs> I think it's a good, terrible movie. I think so too. Or a terrible, yeah. good movie. Yeah, see, now we're... Now like, we're, is now it, now we're now... Was it meant to be a good movie and it turned terrible? Or well, was it like, we know this is going to be kind of a piece of crap, but it's going to be fun to make. We're in Atlanta. Let's, let's throw down. Yeah, I think it's the latter. <laughs> okay. So it's My a terrible good movie. Wait, yeah. I remember. I don't remember which one. <laughs> so full disclosure, I took a, an embarrassing amount of edibles because I can't uh, <laughs> currently can't smoke. And like at the beginning of this podcast, I was like, "Man, those things have kicked in, and I'm, I'm this sucks. This isn't gonna. I'm not gonna be high at all." And now I am completely lost in the ether. That was not them hitting at all. Which I think is good that we can now, you know, we can now go into this the deeper, weirder corners of this I'm, film. I'm not surprised. Baby powder might show up at my apartment right now. 
these homages. <laughs> when Mez and Red show up to Harvard, they like run over a giant sign that says, welcome to Harvard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, kind of a classic weird trope. They do the same thing when they show up to, what is it, Atlanta? It was South Atlanta College. South Atlanta College, which is the best. They they roll up and they hit the sign. And it's like, who, if I hadn't been watching the movies back to back, I never would have put that together. Like, why is that a call of all the things? It's like a Flintstones ass joke. Yeah, now, now I want to go back and watch How High tonight. <laughs> it's, it's so much better after watching How High 2. I never liked yeah. it. And then I watched How High 2 and I was like, First of all, I actually got high enough to really enjoy a How High movie this time around. Uh, and I loved it. And I went back and watched one and was like, actually, this is pretty good too. It's just really like, <laughs> it's just really stupid. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go back and watch that for sure this week. And I just want to have a poster, the How High poster now. You got me nostalgic of that. And I guarantee yeah, you. You have that now? They sent, uh, it. I think I do actually, somewhere in wow. my stuff in the basement, <laughs> there is, there's like a big, huge thing of posters that I didn't throw out. And there's wow. a bunch of movie ones still. I bet that's there. Uh, if I find it, I'll send it to you. You can have it. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then there's the factor of just like, people have an impression of Lil Yachty. Like, yeah. I really enjoy his music. But I love Yachty. Like some of his music I enjoy, but I also just love his personality. I think we said it earlier. We're, both of these stars were wildly enjoyable humans, even if one of them was doing a Smokey from Friday impression. <laughs> there were some times where I felt like DC yeah. Young Fly was absolutely it, like- Actually, a couple of times I was so high that I was like, are they actually just making- Friday, in a way. That's funny. I didn't think about that, but now that you said that, yeah, it was very smoky. That's one of my favorite films of all time. So, like, I yeah. immediately was like, "Oh, he's going full smoke <laughs> on this." So, is this How High Two or Friday Four? Oh, oh that's a great question. See, those are the, those are the sorts of things that rattle around in the brain as we watch these. <laughs> like, yeah, but they're gonna come out with a, a one last one. I. Right. What was it? Ice Cube was on Twitter, I think, recently, maybe within the past couple of months, like complaining about wanting to get the rights back to the films so he could do a fourth one and he could close it out. The mistake I've made with How High 2 is this week I've been trying to sell it to my stoner friends and I've been selling it as it's better than How High. And all of them are like, well, yeah, that's not a very hard bar to clear. <laughs> <That wasn't good. laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit, I got to figure out a way to get people into this. I think 420 is going to be a big day for me turning some stoner friends onto How High 2. Just evangelizing that day. I think it's time. I think it's time that we peel the veil off of these two movies and understand them as they are. I think aside from the movie and the script and stuff, I think it was just really dope for Redman and Method Man to be in the like mm. hip hop heads, you know, went crazy for it, even if they hated the movie, I feel like. One thing about How High 2 I love too is that it's a little, it's like kinder to its characters than How High. How High has a couple of like stereotypical folks in it. And like the the enemies are like super enemies. You know what I mean? Like the corporate white woman who's like very respectful to the, when she believes that they're like black leaders. You know what I mean? And she's like yeah. really respectful and like very nice and like, oh, of course, thank you so much for everything you do. Take the rest of the day off, go to lunch, whatever. And then like, you know, later is like, 
give a shit about you people. <laughs> I'm doing this for money. <laughs> and that really brings up something that I was hoping we would get to. You know, I think we've been having a lot of fun talking about this, but in a lot of ways, this film is is an allegory for a lot of the real life concerns about how white entrepreneurs are operating in the legal cannabis space. 100%. You know, and locking out black entrepreneurs and perpetuating this inequality that exists there. You and know, there's still a line them up. There's there's a line that really that 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 stuck with me on the second viewing that uh Anna Cheever, uh Mary Lynn Rakshub uh plays in her Rachel's when she's not doing the Rachel Dolezal thing with her hair. Um and she says, uh, dealers go to jail. I'm going to be rich. Yeah. It's such a it, great line. It's stark because it just it's the most revealing thing about it. We're actually they were watching this fun stoner movie, but it it suddenly it goes into the Sometimes you watch these films like there's some ridiculous evil thing and some plot that has to be thwarted. But in this case, it's just like, no, this is this is pretty real actually. We're gonna take the dealers off the streets through either buying them out or 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 stealing from them, and then we're gonna make all the profit in this in this market. Yeah, I'm glad that they did that and said that because it is important to talk about and it is really what's happening. And it's just like it's not really it's not i mean weed has been legalized in new york recently mm-hmm. and you know i'm from oakland born Ray is a place where weed was legalized a long time ago but there was a certain like uh dread that i was facing with it becoming legal here just knowing that like the shift of like how things are going to be and like how mm-hmm. now it's like all safe to talk about weed and smoke weed everywhere and but only for certain people still mm-hmm. <laughs> and only certain people are able to profit off of it still like for real in the big ways that really matter and we probably are going to see less dealers around the block which is like inconvenient not only for me but for people in the neighborhoods who really could benefit from the medicinal purposes of weed you know so it's just like this bigger thing that um it's like not really exciting to look forward to when weed is legalized in these places so there's the benefit that comes through of talking about like expunging records and that's like the, some of the legislation we went through has some, I guess, some silver linings in that regard, but it does, it doesn't address some of the issues that you've just pointed to is what does this do for communities? And what does it do in ways where a dealer is not a menace to a neighborhood, but a dealer is somebody who is providing a valuable service to people. And if that dealer is eliminated or further marginalized, and then dis- and then you have the actual dispensaries, which are almost certainly owned by people from outside the communities. These handful of dispensaries that got greenlit for for medical use, they're yeah. grandfathered in now for the recreational. Uh, for recreational. So suddenly, it's like, okay, well, who got the jump? You know, it's it's fun when we like read online that like you know Jaleel White's got purple Urkel coming out, and you know I get lots of press releases. You know, as a as a writer from you know folks who are talking about their latest rapper collaboration for for weed, you know, for for a strain in California or whatnot. But then it's just like, well, how does that speak to here? How does that get here in a way where we're not just saying, okay, here's another economic opportunity that's closed off to people? Supposedly, these new laws are supposed to be <clears throat> they're supposed to address these issues. I read about it. I'd see what they're trying to do, but I just feel like it won't happen. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't happen. Like we've yeah. seen this happen. We've seen these kind of laws be made before in places like Oakland, where a certain amount of um, 
you know, licenses for dispensaries are supposed to be given to right. certain people in certain communities, and that still doesn't happen. Because you know? the lazy more, thing to more do, opportunities are given to people, yeah. and they are, they don't have the infrastructure to really survive, or like to have the support that businesses run by like white, you know. Well, the capital. lazy thing to do is like these people already have money, so let's just let them start their businesses. Yeah, they already have it. But like the whole point of this is that if you don't displace some of that money and let other people pursue this, then it's going to be run by the same exact people that always run it. Yeah. And it's really annoying. <laughs> it's super annoying. Like I, you know, I want my neighborhood weed spot to be run by somebody in my neighborhood that's yeah. lived here for a long time. And like, I don't know. But I'm glad that this movie, albeit in a fun way, does deal with this as yeah. this reality that actually maybe it's a, it's an exaggeration in some respects, but like it's not much of an exaggeration that you could easily see a monopolization occur. Think about how hard it is to apply for a fucking PPP loan. Yeah. yeah. Like you're asking people to do that versus like venture capitalist backed. Yeah. Right. Firms doing, setting up dispensaries who have lawyers who yeah. can just do this. And now it would be legal to do what the corporate characters did where they can just like squeeze out the smaller competition and have the biggest weed game in town. It's legal to yeah. do that now. Yep. And it's happening all the time. That's right. <laughs> we got to start getting people into this film. We have to advocate. We got a hashtag. Ad this is where hashtag advocacy really matters. So Nina, before we let you go, now that they've made a how high two, it leaves the door open for a how high three. Oh no. It leaves, it's there, right? Yeah. So in an ideal world, who would you want to see as the two stars of a How High 3? I think it would be, to me, I would like to see the City Girls. Oh, with, that'd be fantastic. Meg Thee Stallion as a sidekick. Jeff, if you could bring two people in, who would you do? Thus far, the rappers have been pretty famous. So I, I, I don't know. I feel like I would go underground, maybe... We had Cartel Madrasa, and they would be hilarious weed dealers. <laughs> and like, I think that they'd have the, the chops to be fun actors in a stoner movie. I would watch the hell out of that movie. My approach to a, to a third one, and this is just me wanting closure, especially after being so meta confused by part two, and I will continue to think about this well after we've finished talking on a podcast about it, unfortunately, but... <laughs> I'd love to see a third movie that brings Meth and Red and Lil Yachty and DC Young Fly together mm. for an adventure and brings their two stories, yeah. brings their two stories together to kind of create this, you know, make this saga end, this trilogy end in a way that kind of ties up some loose ends, but also connects the universe more closely. I'm with it. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just sitting here holding my head trying to figure out if what I watched <laughs> was real or not. I just don't know. <laughs> There's no way to know. There's no way to know. So.